You're listening to The Gathering Church Podcast, located in Asheville, North Carolina. The Gathering is a place where you can belong before you believe. To find out more, visit gatherashville.org. Good morning. My name is Mikey. I am the associate pastor here, and I'm just glad y'all are here. I'm glad that we get to worship together today. Uh, I do want to say that um, our pastor, John Mark, and his wife, Raelle, had their third daughter this morning at 2 a.m. And so we are... um, John, Mark, Rael, if you guys are watching, we just want y'all to know we love you. We are excited for you in this new season that you are moving from man-to-man defense to now zone defense. Um, They are now outnumbered by little girls, and we are so excited. We're so happy for them. Uh, We'll be... um, uh, they'll be announcing um, their little babies soon, and so just keep watching on social media for that. But hey, I am excited about this morning. I'm excited about what um, the series that we're in. If you're joining us for the first time, I just want you to know we are start. We started a series last week called uh, called James. <laughs> it's a it's a series on the book of James, and um, we're just going chapter by chapter through this book. And so, um, just right off right off the bat, I would encourage you that. If, if you're looking for a reading plan or if you're trying to figure out how you can make reading your Bible just a little bit um, easier or just a little bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for, just casual or uh, consecutive, that's the word. Casual is not what I was looking for, but consecutive, um, I would encourage you that we are going to be chapter by chapter going through this each week. And so I would encourage you, read the chapter that we're going to be on over and over and over again this week. Um, James is an incredible book of the Bible. It's a, um, like John Mark said last week, it's a hard-hitting, straightforward kind of book. And so um, there's a lot to take from it. Uh, we won't be able to cover every detail of it, but I would encourage you to, to read through it on your own and get it into your heart and mind. And so, so this morning we are... Um, we are going to be jumping into James chapter 2. Um, Pastor John Mark started last week, James chapter 1, with the most appropriate way I think you could ever start. And that's by him just emphasizing and how James emphasized that the Word of God is, is precious. It is important. It is everything that we want. It is, it is what we need. It is what we desire. And so he started this week out by just, or this series out by just saying, hey, the Word of God is, is important. And so going forward the rest of your life, I hope you remember that idea that the Word of God is, is it's, it's vital to our beings. And so today I want to jump into chapter 2. And if you have a Bible, um, I would encourage you to turn to James 2 with me and read along. If you don't, it's going to be back here. And I'm just going to read um, a good chunk of James chapter 2, and, and then we'll jump in and start talking about it. All right, so James chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. It says, My brothers, show no favoritism as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You sit here in a good place, While you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. 
Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? He says, listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme and on the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, and you're doing well. But if you show favoritism, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For so whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has been guilty, has become guilty of it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you commit adultery but do murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. And so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Stephen was right. It's been a already a heavy just a topic that we're jumping into. Like, like we've been saying is James is a hard-hitting, straightforward um, kind of guy. Um, some of us like that. Some of us don't. Um, I, for one, I'm like, cool. Like, you, you're going to be straight up with me? That's great. I, I'll take that. But, but here, as I've been, as I've been reading this, this scripture, I was trying to think about, okay, but I want to know before we go forward, I want to know who is, who is James? Um, who is this writer of this book? And I just want to spend just a couple minutes um, talking about who James is and why James is so confident that he can be writing this letter to all of these different churches all over the world. He can write this letter so passionately, so pointed, and just, and just be good with it. You know, I, I'm, I, I can't do that. If I, if I, if I like get like real stern with someone, then I'll go back and, and, and my wife Morgan knows, she knows, I'll be like, I think I said, I don't know, I think I said it harshly, but I don't know if I did or not. Or, or in my mind, I've created this idea that I was like, yeah, babe, I talked to them and I was like, this is how it's going to be. But in reality, it's like, no, that's not how it was. I, uh, and so I struggle with it, but I just wanted to know what, what kind of a man was able to be so straightforward that could say in the same breath, call us brothers and sisters, but also call us adulterers. What kind of a guy is this? And so we see James a number of times throughout Scripture. Um, And if you don't know, James is actually the younger brother of Jesus. Do you know that? Some of us, that's like, Jesus had brothers? Wow. Uh, He also had sisters. Um, which we find out in these verses, that Jesus had younger brothers and younger sisters in his life. And so James is, is the younger brother of Jesus. Okay, now we're starting to put these pieces together. Now I see why he can be so confident. He's got his older brother. I'm, I've got three older brothers. Um, I remember that when I went to my freshman year of high school, I, uh, I had a brother in sophomore year, junior year, and senior year. And so we took over that school because all four of us were in the school. I was the youngest, probably the most talkative, got in trouble most because I knew that my brothers had my back. Uh, I knew that I've got one brother that's like six something. Everyone's, all of my brothers, 
they seem tall to me because I'm not, apparently. <laughs> but, um, but I remember just walking into school my freshman year and like I, I had to ride the bus because well, because my brother charged me money to ride with him. But anyways, but I had to ride the bus to school. And I remember getting on the bus and just being like, oh, the another Holmes brother. Man, they are all over the place. I had one brother that was in martial arts. I had another that was in football. Another was in ROTC. And so I had the whole thing covered. Like, we just, we were good. And, and I remember I would walk into just the school and just, I was confident, arrogant. I was, I was confident and just... Any time, I just could do that because I knew my brothers were here. My brothers were there. They had my back. They were with me. But, and so I assumed, as I was reading this, I was assuming, oh, well, James is just, he's just comfortable because he's always, he's always known Jesus. He's always been Jesus' biggest advocate. He's always been, you know, well, Jesus is, Jesus is God. Of course I'm. But if we look at James from uh, some of the Gospels, if you look in Matthew verse 13, chapter 13, verse 55, I don't have it up here, but, but James was actually not Jesus' biggest fan. I don't know, if you, I don't know what, what you would do is if you were growing up as God as your brother, but it's a lot to live up to, right? And James was, was just not convinced that Jesus was who he says he was. James was just not convinced that, that Jesus really was the Messiah, the God. He, he was like, ah, we'll see. And over and over we see this in Matthew 13, verse 55. Jesus is teaching and, and he's teaching um, crowds and crowds of people. He's going through parables and, and the re- religious leaders are saying, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this, isn't this Jesus, the carpenter's son? Don't we know his brothers, James and and." Joel and, I don't know, the other brothers and the sisters. Don't we know that these, this is just Jesus. Like, we know who this guy is. Completely unimpressed by him. In Mark 3, verse 21, again, Jesus is teaching, and he's teaching crowds of people, and he's healing, and he's teaching parables, and he's just teaching in a way that, that only God could really teach. And what happens is that you read in verse 21 is that his family, his brothers and his sisters and his family come and try and seize Jesus to take him out of the middle of the group because he's like, guys, God, he's out of his mind. Jesus, uh, James was actually saying, Jesus isn't really what he says he is. Jesus is actually just out of his mind. Come on, Jesus, come on. Come on, Jesus. You know, and, and that's the mentality that James was having with Jesus through his life. Again, in John 7, verse 5, Again, it talks about um, this interaction with these brothers and how Jesus' brothers would act, were actually mocking Jesus in this, in this verse. So they were, one, trying to hide Jesus and trying to pull him out of the middle of the crowd and take him home and be like, he's out of his mind. He needs to get him a Snickers or something. We don't know. But then John, it changes into where it's not trying to hide him, but they're saying, hey, Jesus, bro, if you're really God, if you're really God, if you're really the Messiah, then why don't you make yourself known to all of the cities? Why don't you make yourself known to all of these people? And you would read that and you're like, oh no, they're on his side now until, until you read in scripture where it says the brothers were doing this because they didn't believe and they were mocking him. And so we read this, this letter that James is writing to these churches later on in his life and you figure out, you think, what, what happened? 
What happened to this guy, this boy, this brother, this younger brother of Jesus to where he is not, he's not actually opposed to Jesus, but he actually is saying even in James 1, James 1 says, he starts, the ver- he starts this book off, this, the letter off, and he says, I, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. What happens to this boy? What happens to this, this guy to where he says that at first I didn't even believe him. At first I thought he was crazy. I wanted to hide him. And then I mocked him. And then I made fun of him. But now I am a slave. I am a servant to God and the Lord Jesus Christ. What happened? 1 Corinthians 15, 7, again, um, these verses, I didn't, I didn't have them up here because it's just to set this up because um, there's more to come, but I just wanted to set the stage here. 1 Corinthians 15, 7, Jesus appears to Peter. It says, after the resurrection, Jesus has died, it's, and, and, and they're telling the story, and, 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 and Paul is saying, Jesus first appeared to Peter, and then he appeared to the 12, and then he appeared to 500 others, and then... He appeared to James and then to the rest. I found it interesting that Jesus took the time to where he appeared to Peter and then he appeared to the 12 and then he appeared to 500 other people and then he said, you know what? I need to find my brother James. I need to find him and I need to see him. And I think what happens in this moment is, is, and the evidence shows is that after this moment, James becomes not just a follower of Jesus, not just a servant, but he becomes the leader of this church. In Acts, you read all through Acts that, that James and Paul are leading this movement. They're leading this charge that Jesus had set. And so something happened to this man. Something happened, and that's that when your brother comes back from the dead after he's been promising it for a while, you begin to believe is what I think happened. The resurrection is, we believe that the, if you're a Christian in here, we know this, that we believe that the resurrection of Jesus actually solidifies everything that we believe about Christianity, right? And James experienced that. James experienced that to the point where he, he becomes a martyr. He, he leads the church. He is a slave to his brother. If you, don't, if you don't, if you're still figuring out who Jesus is, I hope that that's some evidence to say, hey, a younger brother, it's, it's, this isn't just a, a made-up story, but it's historical that James is actually the brother, and yet the brother is saying, yes, my brother is God. I hope that is some evidence to you to say, hey, Jesus is someone to deal with. But that's not our topic this morning. Um, and so all of that to say is that my heart for us this morning is this, is that I know that James is a hard-hitting, straightforward, hey, here's what you need to do. Here's what you don't need to do. Here's what you should do. Here's what you shouldn't do. Now go do it. That's kind of how his, 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 his letter write, reads. And as we read that, that's the way that we could read it. And we will read it today. We read, hey, don't show, tif- don't show favoritism. Great. Don't show favoritism. My, my fear for us is, is that we walk out of here and we don't show favoritism, but we miss the heart of Jesus. That we walk out of here and we say, okay, I'm going to change my actions. I'm going to change the way that I act around people. I'm not going to show the favoritism, but in our hearts, we're, not, we're, still, we're, we're still crushed. We're still not feeling the, 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 
the, the intimacy with Jesus. Robert asked me, Pastor Robert asked me last night, he goes, hey, what's the title of your message? And I said, well, my title is Caterpillars with Wings. <laughs> Caterpillars with Wings. That's the heart, that's, my, that's the title of my message because here's my, as, we, as we're going to continue forward, but what I want to start with is, is that Jesus is not in the business of making caterpillars have wings. Jesus is not in the business of saying, hey, I'm going to give you my brother to where he's going to write you a note so that you change all of your exterior, all of your external um, behaviors, but nothing on the inside changes. He says, my heart for you is, is that you don't go from a caterpillar with wings, but you go from a caterpillar to a butterfly. You're changed completely from the inside out to where you're not trying to figure out as a caterpillar how to flap your they have nothing to flap, but you're not trying to flap and fly. You're, you become something different. And then as we become something different in Jesus, as we become changed inside out, then Jesus is saying, okay, now that you've been changed, now that you've been moved, now that you've been radically changed on the inside, now your exterior begins to change. I love that this word that I was, I feel like, the more and more that we read and the more and more we read through this, this letter, I think there's this word, there's this theme that comes up over and over and over and in different ways. And, and the theme is this, integrity. Integrity, the state of being whole and undivided. This word integrity comes from the word integer. Anyone from math? You all know what an integer is? It's a whole number. No fraction, no portions. It's a whole number complete in and of itself. And so this morning, this morning as we, as we jump deeper into the story and this letter, is, is that we experience integrity. I think what James's heart is, is James is not wanting to give us a checklist of things to do and don't do. But if we read it without this, this mindset, then we could read it that way. So we could read, okay, I, wanna, I need to change how I view this person. I need to change, I need to change the, the way I view money and the rich people. I need to change what my, what my yes means and my no means. I need to change all these things. But what he's saying is he's saying, I want you to have integrity in everything you do. If you're a Christian, then be a Christian. Chapter, I'm just going to read where I find this. Is in chapter 1, verse 8, James says, don't be double-minded. And tossed about, chapter 1, verse 16, do not be deceived, do not be tricked, do not be tricked into thinking something. 122, be doers and not just only hearers, deceiving yourself. He's saying have integrity in what you're doing. He says if anyone thinks he's religious, if anyone thinks that, he's saying have integrity. Later on in the letter, later on in the letter, he says let your yes be yes, let your no be no. James's heart for us as we read this letter is that yes, we would begin to match up our exterior. We begin to match up the external actions that we are presenting to the world, but that that is not solely it. It actually changes us on the inside first. And so my prayers is that as we read these, as we read, we're reminded that our inside is our identity. And I love this, this, this quote. It says, identity determines activity. Identity determines activity. And I think this is true. I think we all know this. 
um, that if you're a teacher, you teach. If you're a driver, you drive. If you're a salesperson, you sell. If you're a parent, you parent. If you're a student, you study-ish. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, then you're Christ-like. And so in this topic of favoritism, I'm going to spend the last 10 minutes just saying, hey, in this topic of favoritism, my heart is, is that this gets on the inside of us and changes us on the inside so that our exterior looks like our inside. So, but, the, but understanding that, that James is saying favoritism is a sin. And I think that's one of those things that um, it's kind of been one of those like light sins. Like I'm like, ah, I shouldn't do it, but I do. Um, having like kind of favoritism, having uh, a prejudice is actually another word that this um, translates to is a prejudice towards people or a favoritism towards people or a, a partiality towards people. He's saying these words are all there and so often we look at them as like, yeah, I shouldn't do that, but, but I do. Or, or it's just that we don't even realize that it's actually happening in us. But I think that favoritism Favoritism is a, is a, a, I believe this because James believed this and Jesus believed this because I believe that favoritism is a wicked sin that is rampant in our world today. It's, it's rampant in our culture today. It's, it, it is accessible at every moment of our day because we've got social media at our fingertips. We are able to, to show favoritism or to remove um, favoritism or partiality or prejudice to people at any moment of every single day. And, and James, is, he, he, almost, he, he begins early in this letter by saying to these churches, don't be prejudiced. Don't be showing favoritism to people. He's saying it's going to destroy us. I believe there's two reasons why we would show favoritism. One is we need something or want something from that person. We need or we want something from them. And so we show a favoritism, but really it's not, it's not like a, oh, I like that person. It's more like a, I'm showing a favoritism because that person's going to help me in my career. And so the, the, the boss walks in and you, you treat them different. And now understand, there's a, there's a level of honor and, and things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. It's more of a, a, a sinful desire of saying, I'm going to show them extra care because I know that there's something that they can get me, that they can, they can give me faster than I can do on my own. And so I'm going to use them. And that's a favoritism. The other thing is, is, is that maybe it's not that we, we want something from them. Maybe it's not something that we need something from them, but maybe it's that, that we agree with them. We just agree with them. Come on, we know that we are in a polarized culture. And so there is a favoritism that's going about in our world, in our culture, and in our church today. That the favoritism that comes out is us just saying, I just agree with that person. I just agree with that person, and so I'm with them, which is great. I'm not saying you can't. I'm not saying you can't be, and you can't have best friends that have similar likes and dislikes or anything like that. Um, that's not the point. The point is, is that are we treating people that agree with us differently than we treat people that don't agree with us? Come on. Are we treating people that, that agree with the way we see things and the way we see things should work? Are we treating them differently than how I view someone that doesn't agree with anything that I agree with? I think that 
the reality is that there is a favoritism and there is a partiality and a, and a prejudice that's happening, that's tearing us apart. Romans 2.11 says, God does not show favoritism. Point blank. God does not show favoritism. And so what does favoritism do to us? What does it do to us? The first thing is this. It tears the church apart. It tears the church apart. James is writing this letter to churches. He's not writing this to the government. He's not writing this to to social leaders. He's writing this to the churches. And he's saying, churches, don't show favoritism. It's tearing you apart from the inside out. It's tearing you apart because it's creating this us versus them mentality. It's creating this they are wrong and I am right mentality. It is, it is tearing us apart from the inside out. I read in a book a, a while ago about um, what, um, what most churches die, end up dying from. And that's, it's, it's sins and it's, and it's a, 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 a toxicity inside the church itself. It's usually not anything external. It's usually not the world being, ex, you know, saying, don't, you can't meet here or anything. Most churches die from the inside out. And James is saying this to these people. He's saying, do not, don't have favoritism. It, it destroys, it tears us apart. The next thing it does is it, it dehumanizes. It dehumanizes people. It, cre- it makes it to where people are, just, um, people are just a means to an end or an obstacle to just avoid. It, it creates these, these things where it's just these two areas. It, it, it takes the humanity out of people. There's a reality that, that Jesus came and he died and he said, hey, there is a humanity, there is a, there is a thing that is in every single person that walks on this earth. What they believe or don't believe doesn't matter. There is something in them that is intrinsically valuable because I created them. And when we show favoritism, we're saying, I don't care about that. This is what I care about instead. It dehumanizes people. It, it actually robs them of, of just who they are. And it's damaging to the soul to the person, but also to you. Because we begin to be cold to people. We begin to be blinded by people and, and, and we lose sight. We dehumanize us. The last thing it does is, is it causes us to put our faith and our trust in the wrong person. So often with, with this favoritism and this, what happens is, is that we're putting our trust in the person with the high stature, the high um, richness, money. What am I saying? Um, it, it, we put our, our faith in what they could offer us or not. We put our faith in that, that if, I, if, I'm, if I'm nice to this person, if I flatter this person enough, if I'm around them and, but, and, and, really, and I use them in the right ways, then they can, they can elevate my own game. They can elevate me to another status higher than what I could get to on my own or at least faster than I could get to on my own. Or we put trust in our own beliefs. We put our trust in our own beliefs that we think that, that, that they're, they're, they're different. They're different, and so I'm putting my trust in myself that I'm right and they're wrong. We put our trust in the wrong person when we put familiar, when we 
put partiality in our life. So my heart is, is that we, we say, we're going we're gonna to remove this from our life. How do we do that? How do we do that? Where do we go from here? If this is such a heavy and deep sin, then where do we go? I started it out with this idea of, of being changed from the inside out. That's great, but, but where, how do we get there? How do we get there? The first thing is, is being remi- be reminded of who you are. James 2.5 says, Listen, my beloved brothers, has God not... Has, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? James is saying the reason why, the way that we can avoid this favoritism, the way we can fight back on this favoritism is to be reminded of who we are who you are. Have integrity in who you are. If you are a Christian today, if you are a Christ follower, you're saying, hey, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my God. Then be that. Have integrity in that. Say, then I'm going to begin to live that from the inside out. If there's something inside of me that is broken, that is causing me to look at people differently, causing me to have favoritism towards people, then, then get real today. Get real with God and say, God, what is that in me that's causing that to happen? Break that in me. Pull that out of me. Expose that to me. Let me see why I am acting like that. Be reminded of who you are. You are an heir of God. You are an heir of Christ, meaning you're an heir, meaning you didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You did nothing to get there. Jesus actually said, I'm going to show you grace and I'm going to show you mercy and I'm going to accept you even when you're my enemy. So then we, react, we respond in the same way. Acts 10.34, Peter is, Peter is speaking, and he, and he says again, which, Peter, it's, it's Acts. This is way this is late. This is late in your life. And he says, I now realize I now realize God doesn't show favoritism. God doesn't show favoritism. Be reminded of who you are. Number two is be reminded of what you've received. James 2, verse chapter, James 2, 12 through 13. Again, he's saying, so speak. And so act as those who are, being, or who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy. To whom has been shown no mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. James is saying, he's saying, act as those who are going to be judged by the law of liberty. Did you know that law of liberty was never a word that was ever found anywhere else, that James just made this word up because I'm the brother of Jesus. Um, But he just said, I'm going to make up this word, law of liberty. It's actually one word 
in the Greek. And it's because if you think about liberty as freedom and law as restraint or control, and he smashed these two together and he's saying, you are now under a law of liberty that Jesus gives you by saying, hey, there is actually mercy and grace that has been poured out for you over and abundant more than you could have ever expected or imagined. He's saying, that is the law that's being judged to you. Remember that you've received that and you give that away. He says that grace received is grace given. Mercy received is mercy given. Remember who, be reminded of what you have received. Be reminded of who you are, but also be reminded of what you received as an heir of God, as an heir of Christ, is that we've received grace when we were at our darkest moment with Jesus. We, were, we received mercy. We received grace when we were actually opposing Jesus. And Jesus still stepped in and said, but I'm here. And I want to love you. And I'm giving you an over and abundance, this law of liberty, this grace upon, upon grace upon grace. Be reminded of what you received. Galatians 5.13 says, Paul saying, he's saying, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but use it as an opportunity to serve others in love. We be reminded of what we've received as heirs. We be reminded of what we received as Christians, and we turn that back and we give it back to the world. We we turn that around and we share that with the world. Lastly. Be, be reminded of who people are. How do we fight back? How do we push back against this sin partiality as we be reminded of who people are? People are our priority. As the gathering church, Pastor John Mark shares this all the time. I hope you hear this all the time. I hope you feel this. I hope you experience this. People are our priority. Jesus is our message. He's most important, but there's nothing else more important to us than people. The, the purpose, the heart of the gathering churches is yes, that we can come in and we can worship together and that we can, we can celebrate and we can um, be excited and pray for each other and, and be in each other's lives and strengthen one another. But it is also so that we can bring the people that don't know Jesus and bring them to Jesus. We can say, hey, we've got a place that, that you're a priority in. We've got a place that, that you're the priority, that you're the purpose, that we want, we want to bring as many people to heaven as we can. That's our whole thing. That's why we do everything that we do is so that, that we can experience Jesus now, but that we can bring hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people with us to heaven because that is our priority. People are our priority. And when we show favoritism, we are dehumanizing them and removing the priority of why we're here, of why we do this. Yes, we worship. Yes, it's because we worship Jesus. Yes, Jesus is our number one priority. I'm with you. But people are our priority. Why? Because people were Jesus' priority. And so we'd be reminded this morning of who people are. People are not a problem. People are not a mind that we need to change. People are not um, a, a 
a bundle of sins that we need to point out and poke and prod. People are our priority that we say, hey, we're here to love you. We're here to serve you. I'm here. I want to show you the grace and the love that you don't deserve because that's what I've received myself. James is teaching this, this, he's writing this letter to these churches. And he's saying, guys, listen. Girls, listen, listen, listen. He's saying, don't show favoritism. It's going to destroy you. But instead, remember who you are. Remember what you've received. Remember who people are. And we can change this world. We can bring people to heaven with us. And we get to experience then even more joy and more purpose and more life as we do. I'd encourage you this week, continue to read. We didn't get to the rest of the chapter two. There's a bunch more. I'd encourage you, keep reading. Keep reading this book. Keep reading this letter. Read it over and over. It takes you 12 minutes to read all the entire book. I would encourage you to read it and read it with the lenses of saying, Jesus, I don't want to just change external, but I want, to, I want you to change what's on the inside of me so that I can, I, can, I can live out the external, so that your Holy Spirit will actually strengthen me to live out the external. And maybe, maybe this morning someone's in here and they're actually saying, you know what? <laughs> I'm actually, in, I'm actually in the boat of the little brother right now. Um, the little brother James, when he was, you know, we'll say 12. I'm actually in his boat saying, I don't know about this guy. I don't know about Jesus. I don't know about what this, what this is all about. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. I, I want to encourage you, then keep, keep coming back. Keep coming back. Keep working, keep dealing with Jesus. Keep dealing with this guy, Jesus. Even if you don't believe he's this Messiah, even if you don't believe he's God, he is, the most, he is the most influential human being that has ever walked the earth. And so you've got to do something with him. So keep coming back here. Keep getting into groups. Keep asking questions. And maybe it's you this morning saying, hey, I need to, I'm actually ready. I feel the Holy Spirit on the inside trying to, trying to push me to, to have a relationship with Jesus, to enter into a relationship with Jesus so that I can, from the inside out, be changed into this butterfly and not try to have to do it on my own. And maybe that's you this morning, is that there's never been a moment in your life where you said, you know what, Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. I give you complete control. Then I would encourage you, I'm gonna pray in just three seconds. And I would encourage you to pray with me right now. Jesus, Jesus, you are my God. Lord, I need you to come into my life and change me. I give you control. Jesus, I believe that you are the Lord and Savior of my life and I need you to come in and change me from the inside out. I ask that you would change me now. In Jesus' name, amen. The Gathering Church Podcast is produced by the Gathering Church Creative Team. Want to get involved? Fill out a Connect card online at gatherashville.org. Find us on Facebook at The Gathering Church or on Instagram at Gather Asheville.